You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you, Jesus. All right, well, let's do this. I want to. Um, uh, I'm on a on a some some kind of trend of talking about things that I've never preached on before this year already. Uh, let's go. We're going there. We last time I preached, uh, I said that I was going to start talking about kind of the core values of our body and what we believe in. Uh, how many appreciated uh, the message on family that I preached a few weeks ago? How many have, have felt a shift in your own personal life when it comes to family and relationships? We've got one. The way that we view relationships, I see a few hands coming up. Uh, I think it's critical that we begin to talk about, I, I love talking about the supernatural. Craig knows this, Chris knows this. I love the prophetic. I love worship and prayer and intercession and all these things that I have done and lived and modeled my entire life. I'm 31. I've been in church since I was born. I've been in ministry since I was 13. I, I know how to talk about all this cool stuff that's attractive to most believers in our stream. It's critical that we start to talk about the, the foundational things. Family is a foundational thing. Why? Because it affects how we worship. We can talk about worship, but we can't enter into the fullness of it until we know how to do these things right. Does that make sense? And so today, last, last time I talked about family, today I want to talk about something that's not as catchy. If you want to pull that title slide up, it's not, a, it's not a catchy title today, but I want to talk about God's kingdom is advancing. I'm going to say it one more time. God's kingdom is advancing. It's not up for question. It is a matter of fact. Don't tell me that the political system says otherwise. Don't tell me that the news says otherwise. Because last time I checked, what scripture says and what the word of God, both the, the reading and the man himself says, that is not true. Contrary to what the world says and how the world believes, we believe in a different system and a different person. Amen? And so I want to take the time to unpack this for the next 30 minutes and talk about what it means, what our core values are in that, uh, and then talk about the pros of that, what the the optimistic side is, the good things to look at, the signs to look for, and then also some misconceptions that we, as the body, you know, misconstrue sometimes of, oh, this is what this is actually supposed to look like when, when we talk about God's kingdom is advancing. Amen? <clears throat> the one thing that I want to start with this morning is kind of the, the thing that made me talk about this today is the way that God's kingdom comes in. Uh, and it's funny that Chris said this to me this morning when I told him it's, uh, I said to you, the weapons of our warfare, you know, that statement. And uh, what was it that you said back to me? The kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. And then my response to you was, what are the weapons of our warfare? What are the weapons of our warfare? Prayer. What else? Worship. That's right. And so violence, from God's perspective, is what? 
prayer. It's worship. Do you understand where we're going this, with this direction this morning? The kingdom of God does not primarily invade, it, or excuse me, the kingdom of God does not primarily advance through infiltration or invasion, but by invitation. I'm going to say that one more time. The kingdom of God does not primarily advance through infiltration or invasion, but by invitation. And when I say invitation, we're talking about prayer and worship and intercession. And anyone that's been in here for long enough to hear me preach about those three things know that all three can be summed up in one word, agreement. Worship is agreement with who God is. Prayer is agreement with what God is saying. Intercession is the intersection of those two things. It's me doing the same thing that Jesus is doing right now. Does that make sense? I don't want to rabbit trail too much, but I want, I want us to understand this before we talk about anything else this morning. That Jesus' mere act of sitting at the right hand of the Father is his act of intercession. He doesn't have to say anything. He doesn't have to do anything. He simply has to be. When it talks about in Scripture the ascension of Jesus to the right hand of, of the Father and talks about him being our head intercessor, he simply sits and in that sitting, in that positional authority that he has, it is his act of intercession. I'd like to suggest to us this morning that you and I merely existing in the earth is our act of intercession. Because he put his spirit in me and you. Because he co-crucified me with him. I am tied up in the crucifixion. When I sing Easter songs, I don't sing it if it was just him. I'm included in that, and so are you. And so when he puts Adam in the earth to tend the garden, it wasn't for him to be a laborer. It was for him to be a co-laborer. That when he says take dominion, he means do what I would do. And so it doesn't mean that we come in with a revelation of, okay, God's kingdom is to come in and supersede all other kingdoms, all other systems, all other governments. It doesn't mean that we shout at someone until they believe different. It doesn't mean that we get on Facebook. Oh, I can't wait to change his mind today. Here we go. Keyboard heroes, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm going to leave that right there for you. But what it does mean is that I go into my secret place, go into your bedroom, and close the door and get alone with him. Father, what are you saying? What are you doing? How can I pray today? What do you want me to pray? And it doesn't stop there. When I get the assignment, I'm called to go out and not just affect change, but become it. It's supposed to transform who I am first so that I can go and transform. Do you understand? 
And so it's not invasion and it's not infiltration. We're called to go and be salt, light, and leaven to the world. Go, go to your place of work and, and be the gospel, preach the gospel, live it. But without agreement, we're just loud noises. It's banging gongs is what scripture says. It's just clanging cymbals. You're just a loud noise going into the void and, and turning people away from what he actually called you to do is to be a little him walking around. Every footstep you take is supposed to invite heaven right behind you. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. That sound good? All right, I'm going to, y'all know how I am. I like to read a lot of scripture, so buckle up, take some notes, and we'll, I'll do my best to get these on social media for you this week. I don't know if I'm going to finish today with time, but I'm going to get the bulk of this out of the way. That sound good? All right, so let's define these core values this morning. I have four for us. I love my points. Number one, uh, God is big and victorious. The devil is small and defeated. We are in a battle, listen to this, but the outcome is not in doubt. So I want you to keep this in mind as we read these big points today that it's all about agreement and it's about invitation, okay? So that's keep that in the back of your mind that as we read this, I'm going to read this one more time. God is big and victorious. The devil is small and defeated. There's a hierarchy here. God is strong and the enemy is not. We are in a battle, comma, but the outcome is not in doubt, okay? Let's read uh, 1 John 4.4. 4. We should have it. Yeah, there we go. All right, here we go. I'm going to zoom through this. Little children... You are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We all know that scripture, right? I'm, I really just, I don't want to take too long on these. I just want to give you these for context. Take pictures or type them down if you want to. Let's also read uh, Colossians 2. Uh, let's read uh, 6 through 12 first. I have more that I want to do with that. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See, it to that, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, uh, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity, we're talking about God, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, talking about Jesus here. And you have been filled in him. Say, I have been filled in him. Let's read uh, verse 13 through 15 right after that. Do we have, is that it? There we go. And you who were dead, this is right after this. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him. Say together. Together with him having forgiven all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, talking about the law. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Thank you, Jesus. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in who? In him. Come on, somebody say, thank you, Jesus. And so understanding that, number one, this is an identity issue, right? Number one, I am a son or daughter I'm not the son of a, of a non-victorious king, of a defeated king. That As a son, I'm not just a co-heir of a kingdom. I'm a co-heir of a victorious kingdom. Do we understand this morning? I don't care what the news says. I don't care what Facebook says. I don't care what your neighbor says. I, I, it, it, your political leaning 
and the way that you understand society has no effect on Colossians 2, 13 through 15. Do we get that this morning? That because he has tied me up in the cross, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, I am now not just inherit a kingdom or a throne, but a victory. And so first and foremost, as, the, as I understand how God's kingdom wants to invade, I have to understand that I'm not warring against a, a powerful foe. I'm only here to be like him so that the truth can be manifest in the, in the life of every person around me. Does that make sense this morning? Okay. Let's move on to number two. Maybe. Yes. There we go. Awesome. We believe and live the prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Therefore, we partner with the king in natural and supernatural ways to establish what? Mercy, justice, and righteousness until he comes. Here is a very bold statement. I'm going to make quite a few of these this morning probably. Jesus is coming soon. <laughs> Controversial statement. However you believe that's going to happen, that is completely fine. That's your prerogative. That's your interpretation. But I would like to say this morning that Jesus is coming. Okay. I'm glad we've established that today. Let's look at uh, Matthew 6, verses 5 through 8. Here we go. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they might be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Uh-oh. How many know that if, if your goal is to be seen, then you have received your reward? You might be seen, but you not, might not be respected or heard. More Facebook warrior comments. Okay, I'm done with that. I told you I'm done. I'm sorry. But when you pray, here's what I'm talking about this morning right here. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For when they think that they will be heard for their many words, do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Let's read verse 9 and 10 real quick. And here is the turnaround on this. Pray then like this. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Step one of being a conduit of heaven for being not just a vessel, but an open gate. You and I, wherever we go, we are a gate, closed or open. That's our decision to make. I, I want to be an open gate, that wherever I go, any grocery store, any gas station, any place of business, wherever I walk, I want to be an open gate. The requirement for that is when pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Go to your bedroom and pray to your father. This is the key to getting this in you so that you can now be a river versus a lake. Lakes have nothing flowing back out of them. They become septic and, and build up filth. Rivers are full of life. They're flowing. They cleanse. 
They're a source of, of, of water for those around it, source of life. And that's you and me. Let's look at number three real quick. How am I doing on time? Oh, goodness. Here we go. Number three, <laughs> as believers, we are all in full-time ministry. Say, I am in full-time ministry. As believers, we are in full-time ministry as God advances his kingdom into every area of society. Our work and efforts, both inside and outside the church, are sacred and valuable acts of worship to God. How many believe in this room? I want a show of hands. How many believe, full of conviction, that you are in full-time ministry? Paycheck, no paycheck, no position, no title, no nothing. You and I are called to do this. This is our job right here. I keep pointing to this screen like y'all are looking at that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's read uh, 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. I hope I have these in order. I do. Praise God. But you are a chosen race. How many know the scripture? But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, he says, you weren't even a people before. Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. That's, you, that's our identity, that we're not just here to serve the local body. I'm not just here. I'm called to be a people. Chris, you and I are joined together as a people. Craig, you and I are joined together as a people. Marcia Ann, you and I are joined together as a people. And so that should give us encouragement that not only am I in full-time ministry, that I'm not in full-time ministry alone. Yeah. That the world stacks up against us, and if we do this alone, it's overwhelming because there's so much darkness. How many know that if I join together with this body right here, that it becomes a lot less scary and a lot less dark because the more light sources you put together, the brighter it gets. I'm going to keep going. I don't have time to sit on this. Let's look at Romans 12, uh, 1 through 2 real quick. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me that my worship in here isn't even the metric for spiritual worship? That... That this instrument and this act isn't even what they call spiritual worship. He says, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Consecration is the metric for spiritual worship, not the activity up here. That laying my life down is what God considers spiritual worship. Uh, emptying myself so that I can be filled up is what he considers spiritual. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewal of your mind. Renewed to what? To the world's truth? To what Facebook says? To what Fox News says. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect. 
Let's keep going. Number four. Although we will experience resistance and conflict as the kingdom advances, we expect the culture to be changed as people come to salvation and take their places in God's purpose for the world. Are you sensing that there's a flow from point one to point four here? That we've gone from who I am individually and how I fit into this to now, now there is resistance. We just talked about this. The body comes together, builds up strength that my light joins with his and my light joins with his. And now the truth that we carry pushes back against the powers of darkness. Although we experience resistance and conflict as the kingdom advances, and here's the point, we expect the culture, we don't hope, we expect. How many understand that the gospel is true? That it's powerful enough... Y'all are shaking your heads. I know this is real. This is hitting home. When we preach the gospel, it's not, man, I hope that landed on that guy that I prayed for at Walmart. I hope that word that I had for him, I, I, I really hope that affected him and he, he took that to heart. When we, when, we, when we preach the gospel, it's not a I hope. It's I expect something's going to happen. When we treasure hunt Walmart, and we go and find, pray for the Lord to show us people to pray for, we're not hoping we find someone. We're expecting that God is going to do this. Do we understand that this morning? This isn't a, well, I sure hope, I don't, I don't know, maybe. I'm just kind of hoping that he is who he says he is today. Uh, he was yesterday. Um, you know, I, I, we'll just, we're just going to play it by ear. We'll see. We expect the culture to be changed as what? And here's the condition. As people come to salvation and take their places in God's purpose for the world. People in this room, this is not just about us in here. There should be activity happening in our lives that when we are sent back out of here. How many know that the Sunday is not the, is not the culmination of your week? This is, if you look at your calendar, Sunday is the first day of the week. This is not your weekend. This is your week beginning. I, I call it fortunate that we start our weeks this way, that we come in here and we are both filled up and we pour out. We minister to God and we are ministered by, by the Lord. Do we understand that? But there should some, something should happen when we walk out the doors that now my week begins. I'm called to be sent out to go and be salt, light, and leaven and affect the world in a way that causes change, not just in how they feel about themselves. Man, that was just a really good word. No, it should cause them to come into the truth and the understanding of who God is to them. And then what? Take their places in God's purpose for the world. That means that wherever they are in society, whether they're another pastor, whether they're a cashier at Walmart, that they now have the ability because of your willingness and openness. You are an open gate. Remember, your willingness has now caused another individual, should cause another individual. We expect to now be who they are in Christ in the, in the realization and revelation of that. And now they can be what you were to them. He makes Adam and Eve in the garden and then says, what, be fruitful and multiply. Why? He could have made an army of us. He could have sculpted every single one of us out of clay. But what did he do instead? 
He said, now you go and multiply. You go and create. And in the same way, in the spirit, in the natural, in the natural, parents know. But in the spiritual, what do we do? We reproduce ourselves through discipleship, through the testimony of our lives. And that's what this means. Let's read some scripture real quick. John 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, oh boy. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. How many know that to be true right now? But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. (laughs) Remember, the word said that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. They do not know him who sent me. And I would like to encourage you in the room, I'm speaking to myself right now, that the fear and the anxiety that we feel when it comes to evangelizing the world around us, that they might, may not receive us well, and they may hate us, and they may spit in our faces, that it is not because we have a lesser gospel, and it is not because we have a lesser spirit on the inside of us. This is our responsibility. They, they don't know him who sent me. And that's the whole reason why we do what we do, is so that they can know him who sent me. Not to add a plus one to the number of people that I've added to God's kingdom this week. So that they may know him who sent me. Not by name, but personally to know him. You believe that? Let's keep reading. Look at John uh, 16 verse 33 real quick. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. What a, what a statement to make in the very next chapter of all this. Ugh, they're going to hate you, but he says this. I've said all these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. How many know that that is our testimony, that because he is in me, we have overcome the world? What does that mean? Does that mean that I have triumphed over it? That I have put my foot on the head of the world? No, that's not how we operate. That's not how he operates. Remember, not by invasion, not by infiltration, but by, come on, y'all are getting this this morning. I'm so glad. All right, I want to talk about, I may shorten this up a little bit, but I want to talk about a few um, clarifications on this, a couple points. Let's look at number one, Shantae. Uh, what does this mean? All of this. This is really good stuff. And yes, y'all are nodding your heads, but let's break it down of, of, of what these four pillars mean to us. Number one, we focus on the good God is doing in the world, and we live with contagious hope and joy. How many know that that is the way that believers, the new covenant born-again believer, is to believe and behave? Is that we are to focus on the good, not the bad. Hmm. 
strange. It's, it seems like everything else wants us to focus on all the bad. I've, I rarely see good reports on the news anymore. We focus on the good God is doing in the world, and we live with contagious hope. What does that mean? That The hope that I have is not just for me, that it's also for the people around me. Are you seeing a trend with this, that God's kingdom invading is not just about me, it's about the people around me? Okay, this is good. Let's uh, look at Romans 15, 13 real quick. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, number two, let's keep moving. Jesus has already won. Thank you, Lord. Jesus has already won. We pray and minister from the power of his victory over darkness. Uh, let's look at Ephesians 1, verse 18 real quick. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Verse 19. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Keep going. There we go. And seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. How many know that that's us? Do you see that in verse 20? And seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. We're also in that. Amen? Do we understand that this morning? So keep that in mind. Verse 21, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him, gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And so as we recognize that Jesus has already won, this is the way that we're supposed to believe. This is, this is repentance happening in Scripture right now, that the, these letters from fathers in Scripture are, are changing the way that we believe about, script, or about God, right? Do we understand that? This isn't about reading a, a good Scripture that's supposed to make us feel better. This is helping us to understand how we are to operate and believe, right? Okay, let's keep going. Uh, it should say one of the ways we transform the world. There it is. That's weird. Not numbered weird. Sorry. One of the ways we transform the world is by agreeing with and declaring the good news of the kingdom. That's what we talked about earlier this morning, right? Is that worship and prayer and intercession all boil down to one thing agreement. Does that make sense? And so when I worship, when we sing songs up here, when you're singing songs in your car that we sing here on Sunday mornings, what are we doing? We're, sing, we're declaring with our mouth the truth of Scripture. These songs that we sing are from Scripture. They should be from Scripture. Let me rephrase that. Not all worship songs are rooted in Scripture. It's unfortunate that I have to clarify that. But the best worship songs come straight from the Bible. When we sing scripture, we're declaring the truth. We're coming to in, in agreement with what God has said, right? When I pray, I'm coming into agreement with what he wants to do in the earth. And so one of the ways we transform the world is by agreeing with worship, prayer, intercession right there. That's what that, when you see the word agreeing, that's what you should see right there. Agreeing with and declaring the good news of the kingdom. Let's read Proverbs 11.11. 11.11. Come on, somebody. I'm just going to go ahead and read it for time's sake. By the blessing of the upright, 
a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is overthrown. One more time. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is overthrown. I, I did not plan on talking about this this morning. I remember Bill Johnson probably 10 years ago preached this message at Bethel on a Sunday morning. I was watching on YouTube. Actually, I was watching on Bethel TV. That's how far long ago it was. Good Lord. Uh, and he talks about the, the power of our words, the power of our tongue, in that we have the authority, no matter how much p- position or platform or how many people follow us, we have the ability to, to be an agent of change in the world. And Bill made this suggestion, and I'm just going to submit this to you, and you can take it to the Lord and, and deal with this however you see fit. That in situations with natural disasters, look at Katrina that happened all those years ago, that the wickedness of the city the filth, the gambling, the the prostitution, the evil that had infiltrated a city, even the believers in the local churches there, that the, 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 what they've declared out of their mouth and what they've allowed their city and their people and their culture to become. Bill suggests that what disasters come, we actually invite. That what I say with my mouth, let me clarify, what, what I speak out of my mouth over and over again, this, this city just is going straight to hell. How many times you heard that? How many times you heard that over Atlanta? Jesus just needs to do something with the churches here. We just need to wipe the slate clean and start over. <laughs> this is a hard word, and I'm not, I'm not suggesting that this is scriptural. I want you to hear me, that what we say can actually invite Trauma versus breakthrough. The, by the blessing of the upright, talking about me and you, a city is exalted. But by the mouth of the wicked, it's overthrown. What you and I say carries weight and authority. And that can be good. I would like to believe that the people in this room are speaking life and truth every single place that they go, every single day of the week. But wherever we go, whatever wickedness we speak, we invite to come. And so I want to encourage us as a body, by the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. If you want to see this city saved and transformed, then that's the way that we have to talk about it. That's the way that we have to pray for it. Amen. Uh, it should be point number eight, Shantae. We live to make. We live to make the world better for future generations that we may never see. How many believe that? Look at people like Lou Engle. How many know who Lou Engle is, a, a, a spiritual father in, in literally every single stream and movement that's existed in, in his lifetime? that Roe versus Wade and similar things that the church has been praying for for years. How many know that they've just, they've just seen the breakthrough that they've been praying for for how many years? How many? 50 plus years? It, was, it, it actually lined up with the year of Jubilee. F- imagine praying for 50 years, being towards the end of your life and not knowing that you'll see the breakthrough that you've prayed for. 50 years this man has prayed for the overturning of a, of a demonic political attack 
and saw breakthrough in his life. How many know that the things that you and I are praying for right here in this church, we may see it, but it may be for my children or for their children, that I may not see the fullness of that, but they will. Do we believe that this morning? Let's read one scripture just to, just to tie it up. Proverbs 13, 22. A good man leaves an inheritance to his grandchildren, but the wealth of the wicked, <laughs> there's that word again, the wicked, but the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. Inheritance is about family. It's not about what I'm receiving as an inheritance. As a mature believer, my position on inheritance is about what I'm leaving behind, not what I'm receiving. And as mature believers, every single one of us should teach our children the same way. That it's not about, I can't wait for you to grow up so that you can, you know, I'll, excuse me, I can't wait to grow up so that I can receive my inheritance. My only thought should be what I'm leaving for them. What, do I, what am I talking about? Am I talking about money? Am I talking about possessions? I'm talking about the prayers that we have prayed, the fruit that I have allowed the Lord to, to prune the branches of my life so that they may receive the fruit of my life. I'm less concerned about the fruit that I'm bearing for me. More, I'd rather focus on the fruit that I'm leaving for my children and their children and their children. That's their inheritance. That's the wealth of my children and my, my future generations and yours and your future generations. Amen? Let's look at one, uh, one misconception. I know we're a little short on time. I'm going to read this and then we're going to wrap up. Even though we live with hope, we do not deny the existence of difficult or painful circumstances. <laughs> Let's read John 16, 33 one more time. I know that I read this in a different context. I want to read this again to you with this context, okay? I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. You see how tribulation is followed up with this, but take heart, I have overcome the world. It's a hopeful statement, but it has the most power and effectiveness when we read this and declare this in the middle of our most difficult circumstances. And if I don't believe this, I become a closed gate. And heaven is no longer allowed to be released through me. But take heart, I have overcome the world. That's good news. Amen. Do you believe that this morning? I'm going to read one more and then we're going to wrap. The enemy will try to resist us and we will experience opposition and persecution. How many believe that? We will. It's a guarantee according to scripture. 2 Timothy 3 verse 12. And all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse Deceiving and what? Their own deception is an invitation for more deception of themselves. The imposters and false prophets and false teachers, corrupt politicians, corrupt pastors, 
They'll grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. The promise is that the persecutors, the ones that are doing deceiving, the deceiving, are being more and more deceived themselves. The frustration that we experience as believers to watch a corrupt world, a corrupt government, a corrupt political system, a corrupt, here we go, a corrupt body of Christ, locally, regionally, nationally, globally. How many have been frustrated in the past few years? I'm just going to say it since 2020, when there was a clear divide in the nation, really around the world of, am I going to be who scripture says I am? Or am I going to allow the world to dictate not only who I am, but how I behave? Am I going to bow to whatever political leader is in office, or am I going to bow to the feet of Jesus? Who am I going to serve? Am I going to believe that the cross was enough, or am I going to believe that a government is going to save me? He's more than enough. And I'm foolish enough to believe that what he says is true. And I would hope everyone in this room is too. Do we feel hopeful this morning? Do you feel encouraged this morning? Because this sounds really bad. This is good news. That means there's a promise tied up in this for me and you. More than conquerors. You and I are overcomers. We're called to be an open gate, to be salt, light, and leaven so that heaven may invade through us. It only happens through agreement. I can't bully my way through it. I can't shout my way through it. Not by screaming and convincing, but by agreeing with what he says. Amen? Let's stand this morning. If we could get um, ministry team up front for prayer. I don't know who we have this morning. We're going to do this real quick. I want us to pray for one another for 60 seconds. Can we do that? I want you to lay a hand on the person next to you right now. Don't, I, don't, I don't want us to play any music. I just want us to pray together this morning. No, no spiritual background. I don't want this to be a, oh, I feel goosebumps moment. I want us to pray in faith right now for the person next to us. Can we do that? And I want us specifically to pray for the gates of heaven to be opened in every one of us. Can we do that? So begin to pray out loud. I'm going to pray over us, but I want you to pray for the person on your left and on your right. Jesus, I thank you that the blood was enough. Jesus, I thank you that the cross was enough, that your resurrection was enough. Jesus, I declare right now that your truth is the highest form of truth. Scripture is true. We thank you right now for the word of God, both the, the book and the man tied up together inseparable. 
I thank you for the truth of who you are and what you speak, that no word that you speak can return void. And so we believe full of faith this morning that the spirit that you've placed inside of us, your spirit, is enough for us to be agents of change in the world. That I cannot enter a dark situation and it not become light. That I cannot encounter an impossible situation and it become possible. It has to happen. So right now, Jesus, I thank you for breakthrough in the life of every person in this room this morning. That wherever they go, they release the gospel, they release the power of God, they release the spirit of God, and the fullness of God in every area, over government where they go, over businesses where they go, over school systems in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you would uh, highlight people in this room this morning, whether they work in school systems or not, to give them access to walk and tread where darkness has invaded school systems and education, that you would allow someone here to be salt and light, to create breakthrough, to open up a way for heaven to invade schools again, Jesus. God, I pray for the home and the living room of every believer in here that you would again touch families and ignite hearts in the home again to see the world transformed. That that transformation isn't ignited in the church gathering. It begins in the home. It begins in the living room, in the ministering place of family. So, Lord, I pray that you would breathe life again into the living room and the home of every family here this morning. That you would again ignite us to be sent out not only from church but from the home. Jesus, you are enough. (laughs) Come on, just say it out loud. Jesus, you are enough. Jesus, you are enough. And we thank you for that this morning, that we don't have to work for anything. There's no add-ons. There's no extra subscriptions. There's there's no, no charges left. You've cleaned the slate. You've given us your spirit and your power and your authority, and you've sent us. And so as a body corporately this morning, we say yes. Come on out loud. We just say yes this morning. Yes, Jesus. Thank you that you have included us in the gospel, in the great commission, that in the sending that you've sent us with yourself, that you don't cause us to do it alone, and you've given us a body and a family to do it with. And so we thank you right now. Fill us with hope this morning. Fill us with hope, radical hope like we've never seen. We love you, Jesus. And everyone said... Amen. Bless you guys this morning. For more resources and information about Resurgent ATL, please visit our website.